Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by Baldwin Research Institute and the Freedom Model. Addiction experts Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and me, Michelle Dunbar, take on some of the most controversial topics surrounding substance use, addiction, and treatment. If there are topics you'd like to hear us discuss, books you'd like us to review, or specific questions you'd like answered, you can email us at podcast at thefreedommodel.org. That's podcast at thefreedommodel.org. Hi, everyone. We're going to do a topic today that is the number one topic in recovery circles this time of year, and that's if you have addiction at Christmas time, you better watch out. Um, and not because Santa's coming to town. Um, I first want to wish everyone a happy and joyous holiday season. I'm so happy to tell you that we are now all set up to have all three Freedom Model authors together to discuss these topics regarding addiction. If you're in recovery, and I hate that term, but I know a lot of our listeners feel that they are, so I want to, you know, I want to say, yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, everyone, everywhere you look, you'll hear dire warnings about how tough the holiday season is for you. In support group meetings, the weeks and months leading up to the holidays are always filled with these discussions and how stressful and dangerous this time of year is for people in recovery. Newcomers are encouraged to attend multiple meetings per day. I can remember my father taking my sister and I to the Schenectady AA Clubhouse on Thanksgiving. And while there were times that the atmosphere seemed kind of festive and fun, more often than not, it was somber and sad. It was filled with people who seemed lonely, depressed, and deprived. When I became an adult in AA, I felt sad for those people who felt the need to leave their loved ones for the holidays to attend hours upon hours of meetings because they were so afraid that they would relapse. So the question is, are the holidays actually more stressful for people who have overcome a substance use problem or are struggling with one? Are they a trigger for relapse? Because for me, when I was you know, heavily using substances, they were usually a lot of fun. I mean, I, they didn't seem more stressful to me, but I was young. So, so the question is, are these warnings helpful or are they hurtful for people that consider themselves in recovery? Stephen found an article written by one of the largest and most well-known treatment providers in the country. And the article is called Tips for Protecting Your Sobriety During the Holidays and Preventing Relapse. What were your thoughts on the article, Steve? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it just is setting up triggers, essentially. Yeah. If you believe in the concept of triggers, it sets them up. Um, get, do you mind if I read a paragraph? Go right ahead. Okay, it says, uh, unrealistic expectations, overcommitment, unhealthy eating, financial strain and fatigue can fray emotions. Travel complications and busy schedules can add to the stress as well. You might be spending your holidays away from your addiction recovery support system and sober routines, which can make you more vulnerable to relapse. Holiday customs, childhood memories, and annual gatherings that are closely associated with drug or alcohol use can also tug at your emotions and put your recovery at risk. Um, God. Yeah. (laughs) That's everything. They just described the entire process of Christmas. But yeah. It, yeah, but at the same time, it's, I, I mean, it sets it up. So uh, these are all ready-made excuses. It's just too stressful. It's just too much for me. 
Um, and you know, and I'm an addict, so I do what I do what I do, and that is I go get wasted because this is all too stressful for me. Steve, what did you think about that paragraph when you read well, it? Yeah, like I said, it, it. I mean, it's typical. It sets up a bunch of triggers, um, and you know, this is what you'd call a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. or a nocebo effect, which is like a sort of a negative placebo, right? And yeah, it has power the expectations that you set up if you believe it's going to be tough it's going to be tough um and also the, the first thing that comes to mind is um the you know part in the freedom model that you really pushed for over the years was about uh the learned connections the cultural connections uh the ideas that stress and anxiety equal relapse or drug use you know that that one has to lead to the other um i've had a stressful year a super stressful year i think we all have and um there's no relapsing i'm 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 never going to revert to shooting up heroin all day uh i don't want to do it 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 doesn't matter what i go through and i i like to think about it this way if you're recovering then the holidays are hard. But if you've right. actually gotten over your problem, they're not. And there's a massive difference. And it's what we explain about recovery in the book. It's recovery is seeing yourself as fragile and addicted and pushed around by circumstances and you know ready to use at any given moment, needing substances but being deprived of them. Um, I do not, I have not felt deprived of heroin, um, a single day in, in the 16 and a half years since I've done it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, nothing is going to push me over the edge. And that's what, you know, I seek to help people find that state where they happily choose to change their substance use instead of struggling to suppress their desire or fighting these sort of boogeymen and i know that that boogeyman sounds kind of insulting but but if that's what you're doing then the holidays are going to be tough yeah uh, but but it, you know if, if you've figured out that you're happier making a change there there's nothing that's going to make you use nothing right? that's true now but think about this and i'm going to ask mark this question you know when we were younger, the holidays, alcohol is involved. I mean, it's between Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, they're big drinking holidays. We, Mark and I were heavy drinkers. Um, did you, when you were first sober and kind of, we were, we were in that in recovery mode. I mean, I don't remember feeling deprived at the holidays, even then, um, did, you know, what yeah, was your I, experiences? I, I didn't. I, I think the, it's kind of funny because during the holidays, uh, the drinking and um, all of that before AA, before that experience, um, was fun. It was a lot of fun. And and it and it's kind of a reverse analysis that when I went to AA, all of a sudden, I started to frame the fun as something bad. Right. You know, as some as as if it was. Uh, somehow alcoholic right right when prior 
when I was a kid watching everybody get happy and funny and all the festivities were going on. And there was an occasional, you know, yeah, somebody wrecking the house or, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but I I think now I look back at that and I think I have a pretty normal life now. There's not a lot of drinking. There's some um, in my family. You know, I drink on the holidays sometimes. Um and I think some of that is just normal family stuff. Yeah. You know? But it all gets framed as this. And, and Steve, that paragraph was perfect because it shows how the stage is set. It's really, it's like setting the table for everybody to go to rehab. That's yeah. all that is. That's yeah. all it is. It's, it's a created construct that makes it so that the holidays are this awful, uh, stressful trigger. And I can remember going to AA thinking... I kind of like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but the way yeah. we talk about it. I don't it, like it if yeah. I have to go to a goddamn Alcathon. Okay. Exactly. Just saying. <laughs> they made it sound so so absolutely horrific and, and like stressful. Now, it is stressful as a parent. I am stressed out sometimes. But it's but it's a heck of a lot of fun too. So I think it's it's a it's an amazing thing that they've taken something that is so beautiful. Really, and, Christmas, yeah, and magic, yeah, magical, right? I mean, as a kid, it was magical, and they've turned it into uh, something is that that's that's really awful, and uh, and something that it's not. And you brought up also the learned connections. We use that term, um, and I want to be clear to the audience what that is. We describe it in the book in, in a lot of detail, but it, but it is this idea that there are certain things that trigger you that that. If you are anxious, you will drink or drug. If you are depressed, you will drink or drug. And the way re- the rehabilitation industry describes it, it's as if it were fact. And it's scary. It's scary because everybody gets depressed at some point or another. Yeah. Everybody gets anxious. Part of life, living in the human condition, is, is difficult. So um, it's a ready-made scenario that you're going to fail and you're going to need the professional's guidance and support to get through which is just a lie it's just made up people made it up they made that up so you can get past all this and move on if you really if you really want to you don't have to believe in the myth i guess that's the point that's the point i want to get across you can enjoy your christmas well it's not only that it's i mean the holidays are, you know, it's like this special time of year that I, you can choose to make it a stressful time of year or not. I mean, I, you know, I raised kids and I had to make it magical every year and that was a bit stressful. Um, but you can actually even choose whether or not you feel stressed about it. I mean, that in and of itself is a choice. Um, and and so, so not only does this set up that this is some kind of trigger, but it sets up that it should be stressful for you. You know that that you're you should be freaking out about this, and um, and if you're not feeling stressed at the holidays, somehow you're not doing it right. I mean, that's when you read articles like this. It's you know, and I think the truth is, I'm gonna be honest. We've probably written articles like this in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, a long time ago, we were like, "How are you gonna survive the holidays?" And it's and I, you know, I'm, so ridiculous. it's ridiculous. But but I get it that some people feel feel that way that yeah, they feel like it's overwhelming sure. and and it, it just it just absolutely doesn't have to be I, I think I, I want to make a point about that Michelle because you bring something up and that is I'm not being dismissive I don't think we're trying to be dismissive of 
uh, some people the holidays is not fun. Right. You know, it can be maybe they've lost a loved one at that time or maybe right. they don't have family or maybe they have an enormous family where drinking is a problem, right? Right. Where so it's I don't an want to ugly be dis- mess. Yeah, I don't want to be just dismissive. But here's an interesting fact. The period between Thanksgiving and Christmas is when rehabs have their lowest uh, lowest census. Beds are open. And what the industry had figured out 50 years ago when it started was that in order to pay the bills, they needed to fill beds during the Christmas holiday season. Right. So they created the boogeyman, and that is this looming... Uh, sort of, uh, you know, the festivities are going to make you drink. So that's where a lot of this hysteria comes from, is their desperate plea from a financial perspective to fill beds. So you have to understand that that's what these articles are about. And what's the last paragraph? Number seven, it's if you need drug or alcohol addiction treatment, consider going to rehab during the holidays. I mean, if that's not transparent... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it does say that. You're right. Wow. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Talk yeah. about leading you to the water. Yeah, yeah. You you should be, like the whole article is about you should be terrified. And then the very last one is, come come stay with us and we'll we'll keep you safe. Yeah, during the holidays because our, the holidays. our census is low. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep you safe. Now, look at if people are in danger um, and they need to go into detox or whatever, they should go. Um, if people feel like, if it, but it is a belief system. I mean, that's what the Freedom Model talks about. It's it's this, the holidays can be scary if you believe that they're scary. If you if you believe that you know alcohol or heroin or cocaine have some kind of magical power over you, um, that's gonna that, that's gonna strike you when you're stressed or or when you want to celebrate or whatever. Um, then then certainly maybe going to into treatment is a good idea. Well, that's that gets down to a fundamental that we talk about. And I think that's this idea that addiction happens to you. Right? That it's that it's some force external to you that you're susceptible to. When you use words like susceptible or that it happens to you, that you, now you're drifting into right back into the disease language, you know. Oh, yeah. And addiction doesn't happen to people based on circumstances. But if you make a great point, and that is if you believe it does, my God, it will. You'll yeah. create it. Go ahead. And, you know, the whole, this whole thing, uh, putting special significance on the holidays and having sober parties and all yep. of that, it, it reminds me of a saying I read somewhere recently, which was, uh, you know, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child or something like that. Right. And and it's about, you know, how you have overprotective parents and wanting to like create the perfect little world for their, for their children. And instead it's like, you, you know, teach them to just deal with the world as it comes. And, um, really that ends up being a lot of the mission of, the recovery world is to say, okay, well, we have meetings for you to go to, right? Yeah. And, and somewhere in this article, it says, go to a meeting right before you go to your holiday party. Um, and we have sober living for you and we have special holiday parties and, and, and try to create this special world that won't trigger you. But that is extremely limiting and, you know, frankly becomes miserable. Yeah. Um, so what if you were to prepare yourself 
for the road, right? Instead of trying to prepare the road for yourself. Um, you know, I think that that means to understand um, where you have control, no matter what comes at you, you have control over your own behavior, whether you use or not. And, you know, if you are really struggling through the holidays, if, you know, and, and again, like you said, Mark, you know, we don't want to insult. We know some people um, have difficulty here. Um, and, you know, if if you do, if you're trying to stay sober, if you're trying to stay, you know, completely abstinent through the holidays, just remember it's a time when you can have a lot of fun. You know, yeah. you don't need alcohol to have fun. You can see relatives that you want to see that you haven't seen in a while or friends that you want to see that you haven't seen in a while um, there's so much fun stuff that you can do that you don't need alcohol it doesn't matter if people are drinking at your holiday party right. it really really doesn't if you don't want it then it's not gonna tempt you or trigger you you know that that temptation is really in your mind it's you believing you need to drink or you need to take a drug to deal with things um, and now that's a more complex we're not going to deal with that in in a half hour podcast <laughs> how, right. to change, how to change that feeling of need but it can be changed and it has to do with your perspective on substances and yourself and your other options it has to do with all of that um, and and it seems like a nice shortcut to say well then I'll avoid anywhere where people drink um, but if that really is your ultimate strategy, you're going to have a lot of work ahead of you throughout your life to keep avoiding where people drink, to keep avoiding any stress, to keep avoiding any potential problems. Um, and, you know, I think it's worth saying very simply that drugs and alcohol don't solve problems. <laughs> you know, they really don't. Um, and... And when you do finally really understand that, um, it becomes so easy to not to not use them. Well, that's that's exactly correct. And everything that you just said, there's there's lessons throughout the freedom model that address each of those issues. And I I think you said something that's important, and that is we can't address all of that in a half hour podcast. But um, but we address it in some of the other podcasts, and I want the listeners to know that in the archive of of what we've the the body of work that we've built so far, you can you can learn some some of those lessons. Um, and uh, but I, I think that it's well. Can I just interject? Yeah. yeah, I think right. So our big lesson today <clears throat> is that there's there's no reason to build this up. Right. We're creating a problem if you build up the holidays as as a time that are going to force you to drink or use drugs. That's really especially famous. difficult or, you know, that yeah. is right. That is going to be oh, it's the worst time of year for an addict. Well, and but even deeper than that, or more fundamental is this idea that circumstance forces people to get high and drunk. That's true. I mean, yeah. at, at its root, that's simply not true unless you believe it. And I know that that may sound revolutionary to the, some of our listeners who aren't used to our work. Um, 
I can remember being in AA. Listen, I grew up in AA. I've been to over 3,000 AA meetings. I've said that a ton on the podcast, but it's important for people to know that um, that we've been down this path. We've lived the recovery lifestyle as well. So, so we get it, you know. I know what it's like to fear uh, the holidays, to be worried that if I was if I was not happy and in a good mood that I would be forced to drink by some strange work of fate. Um, so, so building these, these, these uh, you know, times in our lives into these monsters is truly unfortunate because it's made up. This whole idea that you're forced to drink and drug based on mood, based on these ideas that you're going to be stressed or tense or that other people are going to be drinking and so you're going to be tempted to do so and that you're going to be forced to be tempted to do so by some power within the substance itself. All of this stuff was made up. It wasn't factually researched. It was just made up and then an entire industry grew up around it. So it's it's really vital to know that that you can move forward, have a great holiday. You could even drink and or drug in moderation if you wanted to. I mean, I know that sounds totally insane. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I, we have to go there. If, if, we, if we really get down to brass tacks, when you don't fear it anymore, there, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're just going to move forward. You're going to move on from it. And you're going to have a great holiday. Well, I, w- I wanted to go there because, Steve, you and I talked about this yesterday. And that yeah. is there are a lot of people that have, you read the freedom model that are that have left you know the the all that recovery stuff behind and they're really working on um their goal is to moderate their goal is to figure out how to be in control of their drinking which they always are we say that in the freedom model but they 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 have a belief system that maybe that they're not and um and i i think i think i want to i want to just touch on that a little bit if you're somebody that's that's you know testing the waters um you know we we had someone ask the question you know if if i what what if i go out and i have a great time and i'm you know i tie one on maybe i drink a little too much but nothing bad happens to me aren't i going to want to do that every single day and um you know what if that sends me off on a bender um i get these fears i understand that because even after knowing what i know and and staying abstinent for almost 20 years. Um, I had these weird, uh, you know, this weird anxiety about that. Um, and and I, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, if you go out and you have a good time, and I, I said this yesterday, and you're all the stars align and you have a great time, the next day, if you're like, God, it was so great, you know, the, the idea that alcohol made it that great is, is if you really thought about it, is bullshit. Because what made it great was everything else that was happening. Right, the festivities, the, the whole. The family, it, was a, the, it was a fun yeah. time. And it, it was, and the truth is you probably would have had a great time if you didn't drink. Um, so that, so if you believe, it, I guess it comes back to your belief system. If you believe that, that to be that happy, I can only get that happy drinking, then you'll probably keep drinking. But if you really look at it and you believe, no, actually, I can't. I I was happy, 
it was you know I can get that happy drinking or not drinking or you have to be able to change that does that make am I even making sense no it makes sense it, it, <laughs> what, it, what it is is the context of the drinking if you if you drink in a framework where the circumstance is a lot of fun yeah. Right. So let, let's say you and it's safe and and it's safe. So you have this very successful, moderated event, right? Yes. And and you say to yourself, "Holy cow, I, I want that every day." <laughs> right. Right. Which is what we used to do. Uh, right. So so because you, I need that to be happy. Yeah. Well, look at the circumstance from day to day is going to be different. There yeah. are days where maybe you have to go to work. Right? And it's yeah. not and it's not gonna be that much fun. And and drinking really isn't going to be helpful in that situation. When in the context of the previous day at a party, it was appropriate. So we have a tendency to think that alcohol is the center or drugs is the center of an event, when in reality there's all kinds of complexities of the event itself that made that worked in with the drinking. And that each day is different and and as an adult, you're able to differentiate that and say, well, this day I have to go to work and be responsible. This day I have to actually pick up my kids at work. I can't just be screwing around, you know, at a party all day. Right. And, and so, so you have to just be honest with yourself about what actually was fun. What actually, in the context of that entire event, was valuable to you. And it may have been, I had a buzz and I got hit on by this girl, and I was at a party, and I didn't have to work that night, and it was just... And I didn't have anywhere I had to drive. I didn't break the law. Yeah, I Um, didn't have to go boost at the store to stick a needle in my arm. Right? 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 Didn't have to go get baby formula (laughs) sell at the bodega. Yeah. You know? So so I think sometimes... I say that because that's what I was arrested for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was arrested because I almost killed my two friends drunk driving. So that was a real bad night. So uh, I, I guess the, the, the point is is that you have to put your thinking cap on straight and say to yourself, what do I really enjoy about this experience? And, yeah. and, and it's okay to enjoy drinking or drugging in certain circumstances, and then it can be very miserable in others. And don't mix the two. Don't try and, and, you know, just say that it's the drinking and drugging that makes all these events perfect because it's not. That's just yeah. a, And if you're honest with it. yourself, you can yeah. see that clearly. It's a, it's a piece of it. It's just, and in a lot of cases, it's a small piece of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. The, way you're, the way that you're putting this right now, Mark, is, is really smart, really clear. Um, it's making me think of the the appendix of the book where we talk about a guy um, who when he goes to dinner with his family or business associates midweek has a glass of wine or two everything is fine when he starts cracking open the beers Saturday morning he turns into a monster right yeah and it's like what are you looking for in these different situations right and clearly he's looking for something different on Saturday you know, and as I'm hearing you talk about this and we're talking about the holidays in some ways, and I don't anybody take this as a recommendation to go drink on the holidays, but like that could almost be one of the best places to moderately drink is at a holiday party. Yes. People drink in radically different ways depending 
on the situation that you're in, you know, a frat house, your drinking is going to be very different than like a wedding with family. And the, the place where I first um, broke my abstinence to drink moderately was at a wedding. And it Me was too. really delightful. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 you know, and let me jump in here, Steve, because this yeah. is really important. What recovery does is it makes it sound like you can't adapt. That all drinking will end in a disastrous, heavy drinking bout. And that's the great lie. What you're describing is a much more realistic view of drinking and drugging. And that is we tend to drink and drug in the context of the experience of our lives. And only when we are taught that it will always be disastrous does it become always disastrous yes you see so so if we were left alone to sort things out on our own without the recovery society influence people might say at 14 i'm gonna drink a case of beer get fucked up and pass out on my neighbor's lawn it's the best thing ever you know why because you don't have to have a job you don't have to be responsible people accepted it at 14 and by 19, you're figuring out, I have to have a job. My father doesn't want me at home anymore. I can't drink a case of beer and pass out on the neighbor's lawn because they get pissed off and I lose my job and then I don't have money and I can't pay my rent, yada, 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 yada. Now, if that person never went to a meeting, by 25 statistics show, they'd sort it out. They'd mature past the problem, whatever problems they'd have, and other things would become more important. And by age 37, it's almost non-existent, okay, in the population. But now enter recovery. The recovery society influence is that you will drink at 50 the same as you did at 14 because it's inevitable. And that's the lie. They don't take into or account worse, context. Or pro- progressive. Yes, or worse, yes. That it's just going to get worse. And that is so damaging. Did, did, was that clear? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've covered some some ground. It is a half hour, so are we gonna? <laughs> well, you know, I I, I want to kind of wrap it up uh, with, you know, we're not saying that you should go get drunk for the holidays. No. We're not saying that the holidays aren't stressful for some people because I know that it is for some people. Um, you know, but in the end, ultimately, whether you feel stressed about it or not is ultimately a choice. Um, but what we're saying is this whole idea that this is a special time of year that's especially stressful and, and all these dire warnings are harmful. They're actually harmful. They reinforce the notion that people don't have control and, and you know, tragedies happen because of that and at a time of year when it should be joyful. Um, And and that is the problem. And, you know, don't drag, I'm sorry, but don't drag your 10-year-old daughter to six hours of AA meetings on Christmas Day. Just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fun for her, I'm just saying. Um, Or or your seven-year-old son, either. (laughs) (laughs) Go into an Alcathon at seven. An Alcathon with some really creepy people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, but, but... you know, go like. Yeah. I, so, I, can I say this? So, yeah. What, um. And and for people who don't know, we're you know we're freewheeling, improvising here on this podcast, right? We, we don't come into it with an outline, really. Um. 
but what you were just getting at um, is reminding me it's a lot easier sometimes to figure out what not to do, what is not true, what is wrong. Yeah. Um, and that if you have that as a rule of thumb, that can help you as an individual to find your way to what does work for you. And so I think that what we're saying is building this up as awful, terrible, going to be hard to get through it without drinking right. is not good. That just does not work. Um, you need to go into things with some kind of confidence, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, positive. Like, this is going to be know. a positive experience. You know, just my rule of thumb, because, I, you know, we all have our family issues. We all do, right, Steve? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and and you know there's there's a lot of baggage there every time everybody gets together and and so my rule of thumb going into it is I just am nice to people you know even even the people in my life that aren't nice to me I just am nice and and it's less stressful for me and I, I you know I just you know I do I, I'm nice and I go home and it's all good it's it's and it's easier than you think it'll be if you believe it'll be easy it does take a little practice you know if you want to have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever with the family now that's hard for people that are leaving AA I get that because the family is and we talked about this yesterday the family is you know, they had these expectations and, oh, my God, Michelle had a, oh, God, Michelle had a glass of wine. She's an alcoholic. Um, you kind of get, you know, if you've left, you kind of get one shot with the family um, to, to make them know that you're for real. So you just know going into it, I'll have a glass of wine and I will act appropriate and I will leave here and I'll be fine because you can be. Um, you know, you have control over that ultimately. And I mean, if you believe you do, you will. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. lesson. Okay. Yeah. That's the lesson. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. I think this was, uh, I think this gave people some great information. And um, if you have any questions, as always, you can write us here at podcast at thefreedommodel.org. Um, if you like our podcast and you found it helpful, please like and share it all over social media because I think there's some great information here for people. Also, and, don't forget of our book. Yeah, don't forget about our book. You can, you can get our books at um, www.thefreedommodel.org. The, the family book would be literally a great gift if you're somebody that's trying to leave you know the cult um you know you're and your family is scared for you and you're you're doing the freedom model and it's something different um i definitely highly recommend getting the family book and um and now through the end of the year you can get 10 percent off um if you order it online at freedommodel.org the freedommodel.org you just enter holiday 10 at checkout and so I hope everybody has says a great couple of weeks and yes. we'll be Merry back. Merry Christmas. We'll everybody. be back in 2019. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by the Freedom Model. You can send your questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to talk about to podcast at thefreedommodel.org. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends. If you are struggling or you know someone who is, the Freedom Model can help. Call 888-424-2626 or go to thefreedommodel.org to see which option may be right for you. 
If you're specifically seeking a residential retreat, you can check out SoberForever.net. Once again, that's SoberForever.net.